Many odd things happened here in Croivois in 1905. It was my freshman year at the university. There are records of the events of 1905 if you wish to explore those more deeply, but modern history does not interest me. Truth be told, my hesitancy to speak of that year likely has more to do with surviving that nightmare than it does a matter of preference. Regardless, if you are interested in what happened here in the year of our Lord 1905, Professor Lorraine Dubois has a particular interesting treatise on it. The one thing I will say about that year was that it was capped off by a particularly harsh winter. I remember the feel of the chill in my bones as I walked to class. Many of us took to sharing rooms in the dormitories to let our body heat fight off the chill. When I entered graduate school at the University of Croivois, I had already decided that my dissertation would be on the early history of the town. Croivois is not a particularly old town, being founded only 102 years ago. But for a town of this size, it has had a shocking amount of history. Beyond those years of settlement, there are many artifacts about that show there was activity here dating back quite some time. The old monastery that makes up the bottom floor of the university library was in use as early as 931 AD. The monolith in the fields northeast of town, if it is as old as similar structures in Ireland and England, could be thousands of years old. According to my research, the town was officially founded by André Malas in 1815. However, the settlers first came to the area in 1814. There are fairly detailed records of the strange things that occurred in the area in 1814, which I have already set out in writing. Detailed weather records also exist thanks to the Sheaf family. Those records show that the winter of 1814 into 1815 was another particularly harsh winter. There is an entry in the journals of André Malas from just before the official founding of the town in which Malas muses about finding a more temperate area before settling down roots. I suspect the events of 1814 were also at the front of his mind when he wrote that entry. The Sheaf family records also note a few other strangely difficult winters in the 19th century, notably 32 into 33, 57 into 58, 71 into 72, and 89 into 90. I plan to piece together histories similar to my complete history of Croivois 1814 for each of these years, as there is much of interest that occurred in each year preceding the horrible winters. I will begin this series with the winter of 1871 into 1872. During my preliminary research, I found that a gentleman by the name of Blaise Calbert recorded much of what happened in his journals. However, a large amount of what Calbert wrote perished in a fire. I needed to rely on secondhand stories from some later sources as well. What follows is the best that I could piece together. Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. I hope everyone who celebrated had a great Thanksgiving. 
If you enjoy the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing us on whatever podcatcher you use, if it's allowed. It really helps new folks find us. If you have questions, comments, want to recommend a game, be a guest, or just say hi, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me on Twitter at notalone underscore horror or via the emails youarenotalonepod at gmail.com. So between the holiday and some personal issues, we weren't able to schedule another session of Urban Shadows yet. I hope you really enjoyed the first episode, and I'm looking forward to telling the rest of that story very soon. We decided then to take this opportunity to do a little bit more world-building in the Yellow King universe that we are creating. Chris and I sat down and played Cecil Howe's game, Do Not Let Us Die in the Dark Night of This Cold Winter. In the beginning of the episode, I explained more about how you play, so I'll keep this front matter simple. Do Not Let Us Die is a dark resource management simulator. You play heroes who are helping a village survive a particularly harsh winter. Each round, you work on collecting food, fuel, and medicine. Using these resources, you try to keep as many people in the village alive as possible through the long, dark winter. Normally, the game has a GM and players who take on the role of heroes. We hacked the game a little bit so that Chris and I both took on a hero, and I took care of the odd jobs the GM normally needs to take care of. Because of the hacking, we made some rules changes as we needed to, but this should still give you a pretty good idea of how the game is played. You can pick up the game in digital and physical formats on DriveThruRPG. The physical format is really pretty, and I highly recommend picking it up. With all that out of the way, let's jump in. This week on You Are Not Alone, we will be playing Do Not Let Us Die in the Dark Night of This Cold Winter. It's a game by uh, Cecil Howe, who is currently working on the game Forest Him and Picnic. It is sort of a dark resource simulator in which you are controlling a village in the midst of winter with a few able-bodied people who are able to go out and get supplies to save those who are unable to do so for themselves each turn. You gather resources and you divvy those resources up among the villagers. And as people get hungry and sick or go without warmth, they die. And the goal is to play through 11 weeks of winter and see how many folks will survive by the end of it. We're using this game to explore the history of the town of Croivois which, as if you've been listening, you know, is the setting for our Yellow King game. We played The Quiet Year months and months and months ago, almost probably a year ago, if not more, to build the very early history of Croivois. And joining me to play this game and build out the history of Croivois in 1871 is a voice you all know and you all love. Chris Zumski. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. No, possibly. Love? It might be a stretch. You know, I'm I'm trying to give you some credit, buddy. Hey, hey. How's it going? Uh, you know, it's uh it's a quarantine still. It is uh, it is still a quarantine. Still a quarantine, so we got that going for us, so that gets us in the right mood of being stuck inside and feeling like we're slowly dying. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't gotten quite cold enough in Pennsylvania to to be fully fully emblematic of a game entitled Do Not Let Us Die in the Dark Night of This Cold Winter. 
But it is certainly yesterday, it got pretty fucking cold. Oh, yeah. There was that wind that was howling off the river, and I was, mm, it was chilly. Mm, yeah, it was not, it was not pleasant. But yeah, so we are going to return to Croivois, our, our home away from home. Ah, we, oui, the place in France we wish we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as weird as Croivois might be, it is probably better than. Delaware County. <laughs> Delaware County, United States, 2020. Ooh. So like I said in the introduction, this is a sort of dark resource simulator. It is designed to be played as an in-between in like an ongoing D&D campaign where you might have a home base. But we are going to hack it up a little bit and use it as... Uh, Another lore building game. So, we know that it is 1871. We know that we are in Croivois, which is a still pretty small village on the eastern border of France. We know that as of the end of 1814, Croivois had a small library. It had set up some pens for livestock. It had built a couple community houses. It had built a wall. And it had built some basic basic streets and uh, some candlelit street lamps. So the first thing we need to do for Do Not Let Us Die in the Dark Night of This Cold Winter. I'm going to start calling it Do Not Let Us Die and not pronounce the whole name, because I will butcher it every time. The first thing we need to do is decide uh, a few more buildings to add to Croivois to, to make it a little bit more of a town. We know at this point, based on the game, that there are going to be four communal houses. So we know that much. We know that Croivois has four communal houses uh, up from, I believe, we had built two large communal houses. Mm-hmm. By the end of the quiet year. So we have two more communal houses. Uh, so what, what else has Croivois added? We can, if, if you want to add, I guess we could each add like two buildings. You know what? I'm thinking a smithy. A smithy? That's a yeah. good And maybe we can even say it's like a smithy slash stable. It's not, you're not necessarily going there to get swords or armor made, but you are going there to get your horse, you know. Your horse shoes made and maybe shoed there at the same time. Yeah, that would make sense. I think that's a good like a Jiffy Lube of of yesteryear, 18- an eighteen seventy one Jiffy Lube. Yeah. Excellent. I'm gonna say that they have added a uh, a small tavern. It's technically an inn, but Croivois still doesn't get many visitors. So theoretically, if someone is passing through, there are a couple rooms for rent. But they often, and especially in the dead of winter, uh, they're not at the current time being being used. But it is someone that you know sells sells some alcohol, sells some food, and occasionally in the less inclement times, houses anyone who's visiting. So back to you. We need uh, one more building from you. Mm. Trying to think. We did have grazing land put out. 
Yes. So we, we had built like a corral for our livestock. Well, let me look at our, look at the notes real quick. <laughs> it's, it's been a while since we've been here. Um, you know, we have the library, um, but how about an old Roman Catholic church that is, is in the process or maybe is, is the precursor to the university? Okay. I like that. I think that adds some cool ambiance as, and especially if it's being converted, maybe like pieces are missing and there's, you know, scaffolding all around it. Uh, in, in preparation of turning it into a university to be paired with the library that has already been built. Yes. All right. What, what do I want to add? Hookah bar. <laughs> it is a university town. Every yeah. university town's got to have one. I think I'm going to go a little bit off book. Uh, uh-huh. I'm going to say that what, what the other thing we have is not yet a completed building. Mm. But before the winter came, to go with the university and the library, they started building a house for the faculty of the university. That would be a shared living space. But there were uh, some complications which we can potentially dive into and explore a little bit more later, mm. uh, that have caused it to be uh, uh, delayed. Delayed. So it is covered up as best it can be. The foundation has been dug. Maybe a little bit of, of work has been done. But for the most part, it is an uncompleted house. So that gives us our buildings... The next decision we have to make, and so each of us in Do Not Let Us Die will control kind of two separate entities. The first entity is a hero. A hero, when when you play this as an interstitial game to a D&D or other fantasy RPG campaign, you translate your character over since we aren't doing that we are just going to make heroes for this and it is pretty simple for your hero you just need a name and a class and there are only three classes there are fighters who are characters are heroes who use strength and brute force there are wizards who use arcane or faith-based magic or rely upon their intelligence in some way. And then there are thieves who are stealth or agility-based characters. So, do you, do any, do either of those three, any of those three speak to you? I would say if you don't play a wizard, I'm going to play a wizard. (laughs) I had considered playing a wizard, uh, but if you want to play a wizard, I would happily play something else. That's uh, legitimately, as long as one of us is a wizard, that's all that matters. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I mean, both the like, thief or fighter are all good. So, you feeling one more than the other? Um, I think I will play a thief then. Okay, then I shall be a wizard. So. 
I think of my character. Let me think of a first name. Uh, so my my character is Beaumont Sheaf. And call you, Beaumont, just call you Bo. Yeah. <laughs> to his friends, at least, he goes by Bo. Um, uh, but Beaumont Sheaf is the great grandson. Is that is it long enough for great grandsons, or would it be a grandson? I feel like in this kind of harsh climate, great grandson works. He is the great grandson of Emmanuel Sheaf, who is the first librarian of Croivois. Oh, I like that, and you're at the thief class. I am the thief. So tell us about your Weezard. My Weezard is closer to treats his skills as a alchemist slash healer kind of deal going on. Not necessarily okay. throwing lightning bolts out of his hands like we assume a wizard would be from the name. Yeah, so he's uh, he's mostly... Mostly, I, I would imagine, probably plies a, like, normal mundane trade of an, an apothecary, I suppose. Apothecary, alchemist, where, unlike other people in the real world, their potions maybe just killed people. His actually function, <laughs> to a greater or lesser degree, I would uh, that's how I imagine it. Also, like, using, like, you know, herbalism and... Things that fit into the universe you and I have created. That makes sense. The... And I do think, I mean, there is, if you want, I think there's room to say that he has maybe some supernatural powers as well. Oh, yes. I'm not saying he doesn't, but it's more of the subtle and less of, when people say wizard, you're imagining dragons and lightning bolts and... Yeah. Not, not like that. Excellent. And uh what is what is your wizard's name? Rene Delarue. As in of the road. Excellent. So we've got uh Rene and Beaumont as our heroes. So the the last thing that we really need to, to do so the second thing that we embody as players of this game are uh, two households which each start with five people alive in the household. Yeah. It is highly unlikely that we will end this game with five people alive in each household. But so we will need to create five people. And we don't need to go into too much detail, just names. If we don't, not all of them even have to have, like, surnames. So it's not necessarily of the same family? No, and we had, it kind of plays well into the fact that we had established that, at least in the earlier days of Croivois, people lived in communal housing. Mm -hmm. And the winter is so terrible that people may have shored up to make it so that there are less buildings that require heating. So they don't have to be related at all. Gotcha. All right. So in my uh, in my two houses, in my first house, I have a married couple, uh, Blaze and Inez Calbert. 
Mm-hmm. And then a uh, small family, Gregor and Eloise Malas, and their son, Sebastian. And then in my second house, I have two single ladies, Marguerite Laurent and Luce Moreau. And then I have another small family, Olivier and Zoe Durand and their daughter, Juliet. All right. So in the one house, I'll have two married couples and one of them has a kid. So Mark and Isabel Fabron. Mark and actually Fabron, that's blacksmith. So that'll work for where he is. Timothy and... Adele Laval with their son Andre. And then I'm thinking of making all five guys brothers. <laughs> I like it. And they will be oh God, something said, the Bruns. That's a good which the Brun is brother Brun the brothers, brothers construction. Yeah. Which in French just means dark of hair. So I just imagine them all just being freaking dark brown, black haired, bearded Frenchmen that build shit. It's like, uh, although he would hate being compared to a Frenchman, uh, Ron Swanson in the last season of Parks and Rec, when you find out that he's got like five brothers, and oh, they're yeah. all just surly, dark haired, libertarian construction workers. Mm-hmm, exactly. Awesome. So we have our, or did you give us your, their names yet? Other than oh, the fact that they're the Brun brothers. The, the Brun brothers. There's Christoph, Dennis, Gerard, Jerome, and Leon. Excellent. I like it. All right. So we have our starting population there. So looking over the quick reference, uh, we've developed our town. We don't need to develop a hook and reward because our heroes are members of the town. There are four buildings with five people each, so 20 people. We also start with two animals, which we can kill to create two food if we ever need to. And winter's length is 11 weeks. So we'll play out 11 turns. And uh, the way we do a turn, and the first turn we ignore steps one and two, but standardly a turn is step one, we figure out if anyone has died from hunger, sickness, or cold. If they have, we discuss who died and how they died. And then I will roll a D3 to figure out how cold the current week is. And that will influence how much fuel is needed to heat the houses. At that point, um, step two will be rationing supplies. So any supplies that we gathered the week previously, we will ration up and try to make sure that everyone is fed and heated and anyone who's sick gets medicine. Step three is gathering new supplies, so we will take turns being the active adventurer, and the active adventurer gets to choose what kind of supplies uh, we are going out to find. We can discuss it if we want. The final choice ends up being the active players. Once you pick what kind of resource we're going after, you roll 2d6 to figure out how many you gathered, and then the other player, whoever, whichever one of us is not the active player, If it is a resource that we are particularly good at finding, so if I decide that we're going to go find medicine, I will roll 2d6 units of medicine that we find, and because you are a wizard and better at finding medicine than other things, you will add an additional d6. 
gotcha. to that role. If if I decide, say, that we want to go out and find food, you're not particularly good at finding food, so we'll roll just the 2d6 for food. But then you will get to find 1d3 of of your unit, which again is medicine. So we would end up on that journey coming back with 2d6 food and 1d3 medicine. Once that's done, we roll for a random occurrence to see what happens. Most of them are bad, but a few of them are decent. Uh, and we'll resolve that, and we'll discuss it and what that looks like for the village. And then the last step is I will roll a d3, and that many villagers get sick, which will then require them to have medicine to survive. So, alright, so just for our knowledge, anyone who is sick, if they go three turns without medicine, they will die. Anyone who goes two turns without food, will die and anyone anytime that a house goes unheated one person in that house will die no matter what gotcha let us get started so why don't you take the first turn as an active player chris so our, we'll start with step three on this our first turn so we're going to go out and gather supplies what uh what kind right now we have zero of everything we have two livestock, which could be converted to four food. Okay. But we are going to need next round, we're going to need 20 food. So we're probably not going to be able to, some Ooh, people are going to go hungry. Yeah, yeah. We're also going to need fuel for, fuel for the houses. Uh, it'll be somewhere between one and three fuel for each house. Eek. All right. So, I mean... I'm good with medicine, but that doesn't seem like the thing we need right now. Yeah, sadly, medicine is the one that's kind of but we will end out up of the gates. We will definitely end up needing it, but once people start getting getting sick, they have three rounds before they die of their sickness. Okay, so, so it is gonna it's gonna steamroll because one to three people are getting sick at the end of every round. All right, so seeing as we have you that can get food. And also the livestock and emergency, I think I should focus on fuel at first. Yeah, so if you want to say we're going to go looking for fuel, what that'll mean is we'll get 2d6 fuel, and then because I'm going with you to help, we'll also get 1d3 food. Okay, so let's let's roll like that. Alright, so we are going out looking for fuel. Yes, sir. So you're going to roll 2d6 to see how much fuel we find. And if I had been looking for medicine, I would get to roll 3, right? So the way it actually works is it's if you are the second person on the mission. Uh, so if I, choose that, if I choose that we go looking for medicine, I would roll 2d6 medicine, and then you would roll 1d6. Gotcha, okay. So you'll, the second player will always get to roll either a d6 or a d3 depending on what they're looking for. If it's the thing they're good at finding, they get to add a D6 to it. Okay. Uh, if it's not the thing they're good at finding, then they get to find a D3 of whatever they're good at finding. Alrighty then. So give me two D6 and let me know what you roll. I got a seven. Seven. Sadly, I got a one. Mm. So tell us uh, tell us what it, what it looks like. What are we like? 
What, what do we find when we go out looking for fuel sources? Well, we uh, with a with a decent roll like that, I would say we we knew where a dead tree had fallen in a storm earlier in the year. Okay. So we we went out to that deadfall, and it was easy to piece it up and carry it back because it pretty much had already dried out. It wasn't green, so perfect. So yeah, we got a nice good haul of fuel while while we were out taking that tree apart. Beaumont saw a couple of rabbits and was able to um, to shoot a couple with his bow and arrow. So we didn't get a lot of food, but. Uh, I was able to bring back at least a little bit. So we currently have one whole food, no medicine, seven wood. Yep. So it is going to be, unless we get a particularly good occurrence, uh, next round is not going to be great. Yep. Well, at least we'll be warm. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will at least be able to heat a couple of the houses, depending on what what the temperature is like. All right, so now we're going to roll to see what occurrence happens during this week. So I'm going to have you roll 2d6 and then tell me that you won't add them together. Tell me one number and then the other. A two and a five. Oh, no. I was about to say how awful. <laughs> and is one of the children dragged in the woods by oh, the no. wolves? No, it's not, I mean, it's, I guess it's not that bad, but it's not great. So how many less people do we have to worry about? So the domesticated animals were left outdoors through the night, becoming sickly and frostbitten. Slaughtering these animals will only yield one unit of food each. Well, looks like we gotta go looking for food. <laughs> uh, so the two livestock that we currently have can only be slaughtered for one food. If we find more, then the new ones can potentially be slaughtered for more. Yay. So that was our occurrence. So let's talk about that briefly. Who do we think left? Who Who's in charge of the livestock? The Bruns. The Bruns. Why did the, why did the Bruns leave? They got drunk. The, they got drunk sense. and they had a fight and they stormed out like some of one of the brothers stormed out, slammed door. It's the same Brun story. You love them, but you'll want to smack them. Yeah. Oh. Feels very similar to having brothers in the modern day. Yes. That, that, that doesn't change. All right. So that is our occurrence for week one. So now it is. The phase where I roll 1d3 and see how many people get sick. And of course, since I rolled a 1 for food, uh, you know this is going to be a 3. A 3. Oh, with ease. Oh no, it is only a 2. Oh, good. So I'm going to say that Sebastian Malas, the son of Gregor and Eloise, is ill. And so that means we have three rounds to get him medicine before... So you rolled a two. So does that mean somebody, two people are sick or? Yep. And I think, let's say Leon Brunn. Yeah, you, you read my mind. Because he's uh, the one who stormed out into the cold weather. 
Yep, he also he also got a, a cold. From the Journal of Blaise Calbert, dated twelve six seventy one. Those damned bruns. Leanne got to drinking again last night. Not only did we get woken out of our slumber in the middle of the damned night, but it turns out that in the resulting row, the idiots forgot to bring the cows in. We woke in the morning to find Leon sick and sniveling outside of our house, and the livestock were all a shiver. It is the first week of what looks like will be a cold winter. Those idiots have set us back at least a week. Renee at least, was able to bring back two sleds full of wood. When that tower in the woods came down, it knocked a few trees down and created a deadfall of mostly dried wood. Louis Schiff's son, Beaumont, brought back some rabbits he caught while out there. Though not much, it will still make up a little bit of what was surely lost due to Leon Brun's outburst. Sebastian has been sick, too. We don't have any medicine about. I feel terrible for the child. Should see if my father's notebooks are still around. They may have something that could help him. I will ask Inez where those books may be. All right, so that was our first week. That was not great. We are now going to start round two. And now we do have to do uh, steps one and two. Mm Mm-hmm. So, step one, no one died, at least, but we do have one round now of people being ill. So, both Leon and... And uh, Sebastian. Sebastian. One, one step closer to death. Excellent. We should hopefully be able to get at least some medicine for them. I mean, if I roll ter- terrible, one of them will live. <laughs> yeah. So, now I'm going to roll a d3 to see how cold it is. Oh, there it is. Three. Yeah, there it is. It is bitingly cold. Snow has started to come down. Not quite a blizzard, but pretty damn close. And the streets are erased for the time being. I think that the doors are at least partially covered, so you actually have to like exit out the window to be able to oh. shovel them out. And it is just bitingly cold. The houses aren't terribly well sealed, and the wind just rips through the house. So now... Yep. It is time to ration supplies. So we have seven fuel. Yep. The problem is we need three fuel per house. Because <sighs> of how cold it is. So we can warm two houses. Yes. The question is, should we... Warm the houses with the people that aren't sick to guarantee they don't get sick. Because the the after effects of not heating them, somebody might be somebody will get sick. Someone will die. Someone will die. Yes. Yes. If a house goes unheated for a round, one of the people in the house will die. So two people are gonna die next round. Okay. So I'll be cutthroat here. <laughs> 
we have two houses with people who may or may not die. It's true. I feel like I that is certainly the meta the meta decision would be to let the people who are ill die. And I'm not necessarily saying I don't agree with that. I would just like to point out that Sebastian is a child. Hey, listen. Sebastian ain't my problem. He's one of your people. <laughs> it's true. I, I could flip a coin and then, yep, yeah, the the Brun house is not getting heat. They All right. They, they let the li- livestock get frostbitten anyway. This is their punishment. <laughs> All right. So the Brun house is not getting heated, which means that, uh, I mean, I guess we should just say that each of us gets to pick one house that gets heated. Yeah. I mean, it make it fair. Oh, I hate I hate this. I have children in both house. <laughs> See, houses. You should have had a whole house full of degenerates. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done this. Um I am going to say that uh we're going to heat house 1 cuz I don't want Sebastian to die. Mm. Yet. All right. So house my house with Sebastian and the rest of the Malas family will get heat. Your house four with the, the Frobrones family. Uh, the for, yeah, the Frobrones could heat. Yeah, Frobrones and Laval. We also now have to make the decision. We have, I mean, I guess again on a meta level, we have eighteen people that need food, <laughs> and we have a food. Uh, we could get up to three if we decide to kill both livestock. Uh, I mean, we might want to just do it because yeah, I mean, God they're not going to if something else happens to them. They're not going to get better. Yeah. So uh-huh. we have a total of three food. Then yes, to divvy up between eighteen people, and it's a food per person. Yes, one food per person. Oh, good lord! Yeah, it's not good. Um. So I don't seem like a heartless bastard. I'm assuming the house with the adults and one child, they're going to give the child the food. That seems fair. I feel like I'm going to give one food to Sebastian um, because Sebastian is sick. Wasting the food. <laughs> I mean, we're probably going to get enough medicine and Leon's going to die, so... But so Sebastian's parents are definitely so you're gonna mark anyone who doesn't get food is gonna get marked with it is hungry, and essentially if they don't get food next round, then they are going to die. Okay, so Andre and Sebastian have both been fed. Who are we gonna give the last food to? I have another child. In my houses. Oh, good God, man! <laughs> all right, yeah, all the kids get food. All right, you know so what? I'm just marking a kid. Instead of everybody else is hungry, the kid isn't. <laughs> it's the easier way to do it at this point. So, is Andre the child? Yes, Andre is the child. So, Andre, Juliet, and Sebastian get food, taking us down to zero food. And everyone else is hungry. So, that's good. That is good, good, good. All right, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to say we're going to go look for food. Hey, 
So I'm going to roll 2d6 to see how much food we get. And then you're also going to find 1d3 medicine. Medicine, yep. Well, that's at least, uh, I mean, it's still not great, but I got a nine. Not terrible. Yeah, some people are still probably going to die, though. Hey, good news. Let me just double check some rules real quick. Uh, how much medicine did we find? Two medicine. All right, so that's something. Yeah. That is something. I'll People double check and see if we get, if I'm correct in saying that I, like, we we don't add our extra D6 for our class. Because I'm also... If we're the active. Because I was reading the book that you sent, and originally it looked like each of us only needed one house. Yeah, and I wanted to, let's say that we do get that extra mode. D6. Because <laughs> um, we, we did make it extra hard. So I will add that D6 food. So that takes us up to a 14, which is still not great. Ooh, it was not. But it is, it is better. So I think we, we go out into the woods uh, to the west of town. And we're able, doing some tracking, Be Beaumont is able to find the trail of some deer and with with the help of Renee uh, we're able to kill two deer and drag them back and in the process we uh, I think we found them feeding off of local plant life and I recognize some helpful mushrooms and herbs and stuff and okay pocket, and pocket and realize that this this will help break a fever excellent all right, so I am now going to roll my occurrence. So I got a one and then a five. All right, that's not the worst. Some of foul thievery is at hand. I read that and I was like, oh, we're so fucked. <laughs> uh, a single unit of food has gone missing from the storehouse. Okay. So not great, but... You know, it could be worse. Could be better. <laughs> could certainly be better. So I think that after we, we butcher the deer and hang them in the storehouse, I think that Beaumont goes back out to grab like the hides and stuff so that we can tan them and potentially turn them into something to keep us warm. And he realizes that some of the venison that had been slaughtered is missing. And oddly, there are no footprints. Bon Dieu. Sacre bleu. Alright, and now I am going to roll to see who gets sick. Only one person. Yay. So I would, I would uh, say somebody who didn't have their house heated. So either one of the Bruns or whoever. Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, I'm going to say that Luce, Luce Moreau has fallen ill. From the Journal of Blaise Colbert, dated 12-1471. Inez let me know that my father's notebooks were in the books we gave to the library a few years back. Last night, I went over to find them. 
I rooted about in the dark library for hours, and finally found them. I remember the feel of the blackened leather in my hands so well from my childhood. I spent the rest of the night poring over them. There are a few cures for sickness. We'll have to see if any of the herbs Renee brought back will work. Went over to the storehouse and found the door open. A set of small tracks led up. Too large, I think, to belong to one of the children of the village. But definitely not an adult. I checked through the herbs and found nothing that could be of use. When I left, I tried as best I could to cover up my tracks and those of the intruder. The wind and snow this week has been unnaturally bad for this early in the season. The small blessing is that what I could not dust away should be blown away by morning and covered. There are many rumors about the nature of my father's work, and I do not want anyone to know I went to the library to find it. And... Now... Now we start week three. Yup. And we figure out who has died. Uh, so none of the hungry people die. Nope, not uh, yet. Because they still have another round. The ill people have now one more round to get medicine. Well, both Leon and Sebastian, I got medicine for them. Yes, but before we can divvy up medicine... We do have to deal with one person in each of the unheated houses dying. Ah, that's right. Poor Leon. So I think, I mean, I think I will be heartless in this and say Luce, who had gotten ill last round. Oh, you're just um, killing her off just immediately. Just, just right out the gates. So Marguerite Laurent, who is a good friend of Luce's, wakes up to find that Luce, Luce Moreau had begun to throw up in the night, and it got progressively worse and worse, and with the biting cold tearing through the house, Luce died in a frozen puddle of her own sick. All right, which one of the bruns? Uh, Leon. It, he, was, he was already ill, man. It just Yeah. How did, how did the other brothers find him? It looked like he went outside to use the privy and didn't make it back in. <laughs> mm. Find him frozen, like, hand kind of, like, just grazing the door. Oh, so I'm, 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 I'm thinking one of, the brother, one of the brothers that opened the door just found the, the corpsicle. And, so luckily this week the weather begins to calm. The wind dies down almost entirely. The snow stops falling. There's even a little bit of sun. We only have a a one temperature, but right. that's still going to be a problem because we only have one fuel. Yeah. Well, we can go do a fuel. Uh... We we divvy before we <sighs> explore. So we only get to heat one house. Yeah. All right. How many houses do you have? That's both houses still have children, right? Yes. I have one house with also, with also a child. And I will. I will defer to you. We can. Oh, this will be easy enough. Um, I'm thinking of a number one through three. Two. 
heat one of your houses. All right. Uh, so we will heat, uh, I guess, we will heat the house with the Durans, because someone has already died of cold there. <sighs> All right. So now medicine. Got two. Um, we only need to use one to keep Sebastian. Yep. From dying. Luce is dead. Leon is dead, so they don't need to worry about it. So Sebastian is fine. And we are down to one medicine. Food. We now have 18 people to feed. Oh and boy. 13 food. Now we're no, we don't, we have some dead people. That's well. We well, no, they're not all dead yet. Okay. Yeah. So with two people dead, we're down to eighteen. Well, the good news is, if we don't feed the kids, everybody lives. Oh yes. Yeah, so that's seven. Yeah. So we can use thirteen food, and the kids will be hungry, but none of the adults will be hungry anymore. Correct. So no one will die. We just got to make sure all the kids get fed next, next week. Next week, and that'll leave us with what two extra food, one extra food. Uh, I think that's going to use all of our food. Yeah. So or no, one extra food. All right. So we're at one food, one fuel, and one medicine. Well, we're going to use the fuel. The wood has already gone to. Yes, so that will go down to zero, zero fuel. So we have one food and one medicine. Doing good, doing good. These people are all going to die. So bad. So yeah. All right. All right. What uh? What do you want to go find? Uh, let's go find some wood. Okay. Got got nine. Nine woods. All right. Well, that's that's at least a good start. Theoretically, everyone could live next round. Depends how much food you get. Uh, so I got three. So we're up to four food and nine fuel. Okay, so that's enough to feed the kids. Yes. It's good. Because um, then we can let the adults go hungry again. Yeah, I think this just, is what we're just going to do. Bat, go between back and forth between food and one. Get a little bit of medicine every turn to keep some people alive. Yeah. So, so what is going out to going out for fuel look like? Uh well, though, like you said, the the weather has broken, so we're actually able to get into the forest, and it looks like the excessive snowfall has caused some trees and branches to collapse and snap off and there's enough loose wood on the ground that it doesn't take too long to harvest and we bring in a decent amount yeah it's a it's a respectable amount and i think while we're out beaumont sees a fawn that was left over from the the herd of deer that we had thinned out previously so it wasn't a ton of food, but it was it was enough. Mm -hmm. All right, 
So it is time for an occurrence. So give me 2d6 and give me the numbers separately. Five and one. Oh no. It's not a good one, is it? No, it's not. One of the villagers has contracted a parasite from eating old food. This particular villager can no longer go a turn without eating. Um, oh, can we make it whoever with the f- no? That, uh, whatever. Um, hmm. One is hungry box and one is sick box must be checked at all times, regardless of whether they receive whether they eat or receive medicine. Okay. Uh, I could just make another one of the bruns. Ryan, it's up to you. Mm, yeah, you know what? Jerome. Jerome. It was... Alright, so he is permanently sick and hungry. God. So does that mean we gotta constantly give him medicine, too? Yes. He's He's dead. <laughs> Um, We could definitely keep him alive for one round. Yeah. But should we? (laughs) All right. So that's that's good. That's. I did not anticipate adding the extra houses would make it this much harder. (laughs) That's my bad. But this is meant to be a dark game, so here we are. Let's see if anyone survives. One person gets sick. All right. Well, I gave Jerome parasites, so you can make one of your people sick. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Marguerite Laurent is is ill now. She most likely caught whatever uh, Luce had. From the Journal of Blaise Colbert, dating twelve twenty one seventy one. Christmas is approaching. I've been spending more time with my father's work. It truly is brilliant. He understood the potential power in the plants of the forest. The ground around Croivois is holy, and it imparts a bit of that sacredness into the things that grow here. Learning to unlock those powers is no easy task, but I believe I can do so. Just hope I am strong enough to continue down the path he laid out. We expect to lose some people each year during the winter. The peak of the season can become so cold that it will take one, maybe two people each year. It is the third week of winter, and we have already lost two people. One of the Bruns, this Vinster Moreau. I grieve, but at least they were not truly valuable members of the village. We will put them in the cavernous church to wait out the thaw so they can be buried. I have heard rumblings that one of the Brun brothers has a parasite likely from eating something rotten. They are nice enough boys, but I'm not surprised that a Brun has been eating what they shouldn't. I do not know if it is out of necessity or a brotherly dare, but I would like to see if I can harvest a bit of the parasite for a particularly interesting study my father wrote about. We'll see how easily done that may be. Alright, here we go. Into another round. 
All right, so first we resolve deaths, which is everyone, every house but house two. Uh, that's right, I didn't heat any houses. So, I think that Sebastian finally feeling a little bit better. He's not, he's not ill anymore, but he's a little bit hungry. He goes into his parents' room in the morning and finds that Gregor had let Eloise have his blankets to keep her warm. And in the process, Gregor froze to death. All right. So, yeah, because you had only the one death. And oh, no, Jerome with the parasites has died of cold. Oh, no. Poor Jerome. And then Adele bites the dust. Poor Adele. She had a weak constitution. Or when he killed her in her sleep. All right, so that leaves us with four and three down yeah. there, and four and four up here. All right, now let's see how cold it is. Oh, we get another. Another three? Uh, no, another one. Oh, good. So the, the snow, the sky looks constantly like snow is about to fall, but the snow does not come. And the wind stays away. So, we need four fuel for all of the houses. So all of the houses get heated, and we have five fuel remaining. We have, so the other ill, Brun brother died, so we still have, Marguerite is ill, so we can use the one medicine to make to her. fix her up. Yeah. Okay. And so she is no longer ill. And food, we need to make sure that the kids get fed. Yep. So that's three food for that. So we have a choice. We could feed one other person or leave one food. Let's leave it in reserve because I'm thinking, depending upon how well this goes, we can stagger someone. Yeah. Hungry. So I am going to go look for food. So I'm going to roll 3d6 here. And I got 11. So that puts us up to 12 food, and then we get 1d3 medicine. We got one medicine. Alright, so I think... This time we're able to go out into the woods and we find a bear. And the bear is a little bit odd. Its eyes are kind of an unnatural yellow. It is very aggressive. But we are able to put it down. I think that it actually like swipes Beaumont and Beaumont gets injured. Um, not like, not in any kind of massively serious way, but I think he's walking with a limp for a little bit. And I think uh, Renee actually harvests some bear bits to make medicine. Mm. Nothing like some natural healing of bear liver. Oh, yeah. yeah. You gotta just juice that. <laughs> that sounds unpleasant. Mm, tastes um, worse. 
And here we go with an occurrence. <sighs> I don't I don't know if we're gonna make it eleven rounds. <laughs> I don't think so. But what happened? Oh. Is it the wolves like I guessed earlier? No, I think it might be worse. Severe accumulation of snow has caused a roof to cave in during the night. Oh. When the snow and debris are cleared, one villager is found dead, their face contorted and mouthful of snow. The roof can be repaired at a cost of three units of fuel. Until then, no villagers will choose to consolidate into this building, which is something that I haven't talked about yet because isn't relevant yet. Although it's getting very close. Mm-hmm. I was about uh, to say that. So consolidating is uh, a move you can make to move multiple people into one building to cut down the number of buildings that you need to need to heat. The issue is, in order to consolidate, you need to spend one food for each person that's moving to a new building. Mm. So if you have, say, three people alive in one building, and you can never go above five. Uh, so if you have three people alive in one building, two people alive in one building, you can consolidate the two into the three, but you need to spend two food to have the two people move in to the other building. So it costs, immediately costs food, but in the long run will cost less fuel. Yeah. Ice. Well, we both have two houses that have three people in them. Right? I I am about to... So both of my houses have four people right now. Oh, well, okay. Well, then, those those poor bruns, man, they're just not catching a break. No, I'll, I, I think it's fair that on, on your, your, oh, okay. on your turn... The, the occurrence affects you. Yeah, okay. That's how you want to roll it. Okay. Unless it, unless it's like an absolute fucking. Yeah. Um, we can talk about it, but like for the time being, I think like when you had the parasite, one of the bruns got sick. Gotcha. So I will say that. I think it's Marguerite. Marguerite Laurent. The the house the roof of house two caves in. Um, and when they finally clear some of the area out, they find Marguerite choked on snow, crushed by the roof. And that takes House 2 down to three people. So you're going to consolidate? Not yet, because I, I have a four and a three. Oh, uh, okay. Um, well, you, you can send people my way. That's true. I could. I, I think we can consolidate that way. Do, do we want to do that? I can spend three food. Well, I'm just saying, it's either split. we let we let those poor bastards in house two all die. I mean, technically, it's just they, people won't consolidate there is the only downside outside of the death. Oh, it can still be heated and whatnot? I think so. It doesn't say anything about like not being able to be heated or anything. Oh, uh, okay. Well, then I guess we can wait. But I do have three open slots. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. I think that might be for the best. So it would go down to nine food. Which I think is enough to feed. I have six adults and one child. 
from my original group. All right, so you have five people that need food because the the child was fed. The child was and, fed. So no, no, I have six adults that need food. Okay, and I need five. And we're at a. We're well, at maybe 12. we should. Maybe we shouldn't consolidate them. Yeah, I mean, we're. I. We'll see what the weather is like next round. A bunch yeah. of people might die, but um, <laughs> then it will just make it easier to consolidate. Yeah. All right. So that is that. Let's see how many people get sick. Two people get sick. So I'm going to say that uh, Olivier Durand is ill from the extra cold entering into the house. And let's say Isabelle Fabrone is ill. All right. Oh, and how much medicine did you find? Uh, I got one, so we could fix one of these... From the Journals of Blaise Calbert, dated 12-27-71. Christmas in Croivois has never been a particularly grand affair. Even when the church was open, for the few short years, it was manned by a priest from Paris. Christmas was somber and spent mostly inside. Now that the church is closed and there is no vigil to be held on the eve of Christmas, we gathered together to share a meal, and that was it. The Bruns were silent, thank God as I think they may be feeling the strain of losing two brothers so quickly. They were drinking heavily, so while they slept drunkenly, was able to sneak into their home and harvest a bit of the parasite from their recently deceased brother. Marked later. I was interrupted in my journaling by a loud rumbling that shook the very ground. The roof of the Durand house collapsed. As we rushed to clear the debris, we found poor Marguerite Laurent dead. The look of pain on her face was truly terrible to behold. The Bruns say they can make some makeshift repairs until we can spare the wood for a full replacement. At least the remaining brothers will be able to make themselves useful. As we approach the dawn of 1872, it is hard to believe that things could get much worse. At least I have a bit of that parasite and can begin to replicate some of my father's work. Thank you to Cecil Howell for the great game. Thank you to Chris Zumsky for playing. And thank you to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Pick up Do Not Let Us Die in the Dark Night of This Cold Winter on Drive Through RPG. It is a really great game, and I cannot recommend it enough. Our theme song is Wasted Wonderland by Mew. Join us on Christmas Day when we finish up our game of Do Not Let Us Die in the Dark Night of This Cold Winter. Until then, remember that you are strong, you are beautiful, and you are not alone.